The following message is presented by Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.bvbch.org. Now the message. Well, this morning we're going to resume here in Exodus in chapter 14 and verse 15. Um, normally, again, I like to use three or four verses for the context of the message, but in the Old Testament, especially uh, through Exodus, we often find ourselves reading a little bit more to, to make sure we get the right picture, the right applications. If you're in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 15, say amen. If you would stand out of recognition for his infallible inner words, serving as the final authority on all matters of faith and practice this morning, not my opinion, not your opinion, but his commands. So we resume verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to break camp, get ready to go. As for you, lift up the staff that we've been discussing, Moses. Stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it so the Israelites can go through the sea on, what's it say? Dry land. Dry land's pretty valuable around here. So we'll get to the importance of that in just a moment. As for me, I'm going to harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will receive glory. God's greatest passion is for his glory. You'll see that throughout scripture. By means of Pharaoh, all his army and his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will, will, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I receive glory through Pharaoh's chariots and the horsemen. Then the angel of God, who was going in front of the Israelite forces, moved and went behind them. The pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and stood behind them. It came between the Egyptians and the Israelite forces. There was a cloud and a darkness. It lit up the night and neither group came near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back with a powerful east wind all that night and turned the sea into dry land. So the waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry land with the waters like a wall to them on the right and to their left. The Egyptians set out in pursuit all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots and his horsemen and went into the sea after them. During the morning watch, the Lord looked down at the Egyptian forces from the pillar of fire and cloud and threw the Egyptian forces into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve and made them drive with difficulty. Let's get away from Israel, the Egyptians said, because the Lord is fighting for them against us, the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Pharaoh, Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back on the Egyptians, on their chariots and their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea returned to its normal depth. While the Egyptians were trying to escape from it, the Lord threw them into the sea. The water came back and covered the chariots and horsemen, plus the entire army of Pharaoh that had gone after them into the sea. Not even one of them survived. But the Israelites had walked through the sea on dry land with the waters like a wall to their right and to their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the power of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. The people feared the Lord, and they believed in Him and 
his servant Moses. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the beauty of this occasion and that our attendance and our cooperation, our participation, our generosity here on a Sunday morning worship, Lord, is what we're commanded to do. And so I pray, Lord, you would honor the faithfulness of your people. But in our presence, may there be something much more powerful, and that's your presence. Lord, may the words, these infallible words, come off the pages into the application of our lives. May they find the hidden facets, the hidden places, the hurt places, the healing places. Lord, may you be our God and may we be your people. And it is in the name of the sovereign King, the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah, who takes away the sins of the world. Amen. You be seated, friend. So remember last week, the Israelites were in bondage. They pray, prayed for centuries for deliverance. Remember what happened. The Lord delivered them. And when God delivered them through the plagues, at some point, Pharaoh was like, you know what? I've had enough. And you need to realize God will deal with your enemies and break your enemies to the point they beg you for forgiveness and re- just go. I will not bother you anymore. So God had dealt with the Egyptians and so Israelite, when they left, again, I want to emphasize what the scripture says. They left in battle formation, and that's very important as we go forward in the story. And when I say story, I mean a true story that historically happened. And so when they left, it says they left in battle formation. And remember, we discussed Israel was not trained in battle. Why did they line up in battle formation? They had watched the Egyptians line up in battle formation. First, they were expecting the Egyptians to interact. They didn't assume, they didn't trust God that the victory was complete. And so we paralleled that with our salvation story and the freedom that Christ purchased. And at any point in our process, we begin to take the glory. God will turn us over to our desires for a time. And so the nation of Israel were marching out in arrogance, taunting the Egyptians, but also looking like they had a part in their freedom. They were saying, look how strong we are. Look how numerous we are. We are powerful. When did one Israelite physically do anything for freedom in Egypt? Absolutely not. So it is imperative in our lives that when God achieves the victory, that we remain dependent and humble in His presence and the presence of those around us. So we know the Egyptians let the Israelites go. The Israelites right headed to the promised land. And I want you to take note, they are headed to the promised land. A, a land flowing with milk and honey. Right? The place you want to be. Everything is taken care of. And so the parallel in the story is, we're all on our way to the promised land. Does that register? So the story of Israel, its its documentation and its application is the story of humanity, that our pursuit of Christ and Christ's pursuit of us. He paid everything that was necessary for us to live in freedom. But in our freedom, we take the credit for that freedom and continue to choose bondage. So let's watch the Israelites. So they're going to the banks of the Red Sea. God had miraculously delivered them. Let's look how Moses ended. Wait, we'll see that in just a second. They got to the edge of the sea, and then what did they say? Moses, 
Moses, what are you doing? You took us out. We prayed. God delivered. But God only delivered us to kill us here on the banks of the sea. As the, as the Egyptians were marching, the chariots coming, the, the roar, the sound of the hooves, the dust on the horizon, they're panicking. Now look, God just delivered them from Egypt. And I mean moments later, the minute, here's what we discussed. They were farther than they had ever been with Christ before. Now listen, you realize... There was no free people in the Israelites. All the, all the stories of freedom would have passed away. All of these folks were only familiar with slavery and bondage. So the idea of faith, everything was taken care of in Egypt, but it was miserable. Satan will convince you that the best place to be is to be dependent on the cares and the concerns of the world to worry and to fret. Because that's not freedom. Christ promised you to feed you to take care of you like what? The sparrow, the birds. And so here we go. Let's go back to the sea. They're on the bank. Moses, what did you? We had rather you left us back there than drag us out here in the wilderness to kill us. To let our bodies rot and decay out here. Moses, what's going on? Now what did Moses say? Remember, this is where we left. But Moses said to the people, Guys, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation that He will accomplish for you today. And here was a big part. The Egyptians, the opposition that you have feared for generations, you will never see again. God's salvation is not already purchased, but it is absolute. Whatever opposition you have, He is already victorious, and so are you. He says in 14, 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you, and you, listen church, must be quiet, steel, interchangeable words. You're worried so much. Have y'all ever been worried? Like, you know the bad thing about me worrying? I go from worrying to fretting to almost fetal position. I mean, it, it seems like it's that close because worry breeds worry. Oh, I start real slow. My little rabbit right, hamster wheel starts going. And then that worry gets a little bit of adrenaline going. I start thinking, and then it gets worse and worse. I've never worried myself to the point of peace. I've never worried so much that I was like, you know, Lord, I can trust you. It, it's got to start out. Be still and be quiet. You've already won. He's already overcame. You're on your way to the... And he's going to take care of everything. That's what Moses is saying. Israel... Are you kidding me? You would rather die. Okay, so let's, let's go forward now. So in the next ver couple verses, obviously Moses found some time, spent with the Lord, and then the Lord says to Moses, Hey, big boy, you remember what you just told the Israelites? Why are you crying out to me? Crying out to me. 
Why are you pleading to me, Moses, in desperation? Did you not see just as the Israelites had witnessed what I had accomplished? You see, Moses is a man just like any of us. And boys, I got to tell you, men overall, we just dumb. We're dumb sort. And so God's saying, Moses, what, what are you doing, son? Be, do You do what you told the people to do. Why are you crying out to me? Remember Moses? Remember the staff? Now let's go back to the staff. That staff was a symbol of all your strengths, all your aptitudes. It was a symbol, listen, of where you go when you feel weak. You go back to the strength and to the things you know. You go back to your training as a Pharaoh. You go back to your abilities as a shepherd. But I want you to turn all of that over to me. And so Moses, remember the staff? You're going back to who you were, not who you are. You see, as a redeemed child of the Almighty, we often do not live as we are. We live as we were. We worry as if the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the sovereign creator of the universe, is not tending to us. Our needs. What you're going to see the story, and you've already seen bits and pieces. All listen, all of God's creation was for Him to show you His power and love for you. Yes, it was for His glory, but how does He get glory except through an agent that recognizes His sovereignty and power? So everything. Now, listen, creation does not serve you. Creation serves Him, but it serves Him to the chief end of His glory. And so, look at the story. The plagues, all of it, has some capacity to do with natural creation. Then we're here at the physical water of the Red Sea. Now in college, I took Old Testament in a secular school. And it was explained that the Red Sea was actually only about four inches deep. And what happened is there was some wind. And the wind separated it, and then they walked across. Uh, they couldn't really deal with the dry land thing, but the, the four inches, that was enough that a strong enough wind could have. But here's the miracle of that. How do hundreds of trained soldiers drown in four inches of water? And let, we'll just go back in the, the dry mud thing. This may or may not have happened. I will not admit that I broke a law, okay? Um, y'all know how bad I want to catch an alligator? Have I shared that with y'all? And it happens to be illegal. Do y'all know that? Apparently it's a big deal here. Well, we went across the yard when we first moved. And, you know, we were just exploring, seeing what kind of animals. I love creation. I love the animals. This is the story they tell of God's creativity. His ability, his power, and the balance, the intelligence. But we so we went across in the ditch. And I'm telling you, they were everywhere. But they were like this big. So they were in the steep bank. So I was like, boys, hold the light. Now, it looked to me like that water was that deep. I've never been in South Louisiana mud before. (laughs) So I just thought I would jump. I didn't have anything to catch it. But these... These man hands God gave me. And this was a divine, sovereign opportunity that was before me. And so I was like, boys, hold a lot on it. And so I just jumped. 
I had my brand new phone in my pocket. That water stopped right about here. But the water was this deep. It was a muck and a filth that I have never experienced in my whole life. I literally thought, I'm going to die here. I lost my, I mean, my boots came off. It was, I was grabbing stuff just to claw out. But to think that what, ground that had been saturated by sea, right, for thousands of years became dry? That's what Scripture said. Now here's where you got to be. You either decide to believe all of Scripture or you're compromising all of Scripture. Does that make sense? So when the Bible says that he, he divided the Red Sea, when Moses lifted his staff, guess what? I believe he divided the Red Sea when Moses lifted his staff. When it says the Israelites went across on dry land, guess what? I believe the Israelites went across on dry land. And when he said, now these Egyptians should have known something was up. I mean, come on. They saw the plagues. And then they're getting, they're approaching the nation of Israel. And the pillar of fire and dust moves. You know, I'm not the smartest guy. But they eventually caught on. So they're like, whoa, this stuff's moving. And Pharaoh's so angry. And listen. Anytime God overcomes the power of evil, you better believe the fight isn't over yet. You got the victory, but evil doesn't give up. Satan came to steal, and he will do that without relenting. And so here they've got they've, the Israelites crossed. Now God told them they would never see the enemy again. And so they cross, and this may seem cold to you, because here's the fact. These soldiers most likely had wives. These soldiers most likely had children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, moms and dads, brothers and sisters. So moms and dads, I need you to hear me. All these men were following the command of evil, and guess who paid their whole family. And so in our lives, when we live in opposition to the Lord, when we live rebellious and indignant, prideful, arrogant, guess who pays? Not just you. Your family will pay for generations. So, we see. They go across and God says, Moses, shut her down. So he holds the staff. The sea closes, they all die, drown. And it says they can see their bodies on the shore. Why would God have done that? A mental image that they'll walk with forever. God said he's going to deal with their enemies. And he did. And so again, I'm not the smartest guy. But I'd rather be the Israelite or the Egyptian. I think it's pretty clear, right? So let's look at our three points, and we're going to head on out of here. Number one, I want you to see God's protection. If you're a child of him, his, a child of the king, what does that mean? It means that at some point you realize there is only one name under heaven among men by which we must be saved, and that's the sweet name of who, church? Jesus Christ. You surrender your life. It does not mean that you negotiate for the power of your life, 
and trust Jesus for heaven because you just don't want to go to hell. It means you surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's biblical salvation. This concept we have in modern Christendom where you can negotiate through the rest of your life without surrender does not exist in Scripture. So here we go. The nation of Israel, we were protected. We're on our way to the promised land, just like the nation of Israel. And God's protection was evident when the nation of Israel was faithful. Now, listen, God is always faithful. We, on the other hand, I mean, we've always got reasons why, always got excuses. God is always faithful to honor our obedience and our faithfulness. You see, He is not bound. He is not bound to honor your rebellion. Do you understand that? So, friend, if you're living in opposition to the Lord, if your home does not honor the Lord, if your actions, if your investments do not honor the Lord, do you really think He is going to continue to protect you from your own ignorance? Now let's go back. It's all created for His glory. Listen, He's sovereign. He's going to get His way. So the sooner you wake up and understand, you can't outsmart Him. You can't use your rationalization to beat Him. He will be glorified. So either you're His child or his opposition. So first, I wanted you to see that God's protection. Now next, God's provision. So we leave this story. Now, I mean, and you could argue that protect, right? protection is a provision, but even more than that. So it says here that the Israelites saw the power of God, and they believed in God and His servant Moses. They continue to see miracles, and then, guess what? They get thirsty so they're marching listen they're on their way to the promised land y'all getting that on their way to the promised land the closest thing to the garden of eden we know since man got kicked out of it and they get thirsty you see moses we're thirsty we want to drink Guys, the things that compromise our faith are so very temporal and potentially insignificant. Now you say, well, preacher, you got to drink to live. Yes, but had God abandoned them yet? Hey, no, no, look, go back, go back to what Moses said. Hey, the Lord will fight for you, and you need to be still and quiet. Again, it's one or the other in your interpretation. So, Israel, and then they saw the Red Sea event happen. Their, their opposition no longer exists. So what are they assuming at this point? That God has become their opposition. Now listen. Catch that. When God doesn't meet your every little whim, we often function and respond to Him like He has become our opposition. Moses said, Israel... Please shut your mouth. Have you ever seen this is what you're doing? 
This is what I want you to do. And so then they get a little farther, and Moses, hey, another team meeting, another, another, another church meeting here. Let's get, get in here. Moses, we're thirsty. And Moses got to be thinking, I told y'all, God's going to fight for you. In the one second, you feel like your every little want and desire is not taken care of. We're coming back here. You see how it went from they believed to they questioned. Well, what did God do? They went to Mara. The waters were bitter. And catch this. So God showed Moses a tree. Remember, all of God's creation is to serve his deity, to reveal his sovereignty and power to his creation. Take that tree, throw it in there. The waters became sweet. They got something to drink. Back on their way to the promised land. Then what happened? Well, you know what happens. They got hungry. They didn't have snacks. And so they're on their way to the promised land. They come, they were delivered through the Red Sea. You, you would think that that would have bought God a little bit of time of faithfulness and obedience, but it didn't. The more God did, the more Israel required and expected. And so he gave them water. And now they're like, Moses, we're hungry. Our little bellies. We, we, Moses, you know what? We've been thinking. We've been talking. The worst thing you can do is think yourself out of faith. We've been thinking. And um, Moses, we'd rather, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but we'd rather go back. We do they go back to bondage? Because Moses, here's what we remember. Listen, your life in sin, your life apart from the Lord was never as good as you think it was. Now, Moses, we've been thinking, and boy, back in bondage, we got to eat bread. Moses, we had bread. And then Moses said, you need to understand something, Israel. You're not offending me. You're questioning him. And so he's going to take care of you as he does. In one provision is going to lead to another complaint. So here's the story. Now catch this. Remember, last week the emphasis was, and this is where we end our story in Exodus, our, our series in Exodus this morning. When you go somewhere new with the Lord, and sanctification, the definition is that we are constantly growing. Right, that we're maturing, that it's a new place. Every step requires a level of faith that he will secure and ensure. So the water, now, they're hungry. So he says, well, here's what's going to happen. Y'all know the story, so we're going to get through this pretty quick. Here's, here's what's going to happen. Every morning, it's going to be like frost. And we're going to call that manna, like it's sweet. But here's the catch. I'm going to test you, Israel. It even tells Moses, I'm going to test them. They can only take what they need. They can't save it. Now listen. Israelites started thinking, didn't they? Thought themselves right out of faith again. You know what I've been thinking? Man, if you ever start the phrase with that, check yourself, right? What is that? Check yourself before you wreck yourself? 
I thought it'd be cool for a second. I, I don't, I don't think it played off like I kind of had it in my head. But so they're like, guys, you know what we could do? We could just save more. Because listen, if we save more, we don't have the anxiety tonight of worrying about if it's going to be there in the morning. Oh, because if I only get what I need, then I have to worry about tomorrow. And Scripture says, don't worry about tomorrow. And so what they do, they do just like what we all do. We think we can hoard blessings and God won't respond to the greed and the lack of faith involved when we do that. So the Israelites stockpiled the stuff. When God said not to, and what happened? Well, they get their little Tupperware boxes out. They go and, hey kids, get it all together. Get it, get all you can, y'all. Right, just like we don't, have y'all went pick strawberries or blackberries? You're going to get them all, right? I mean, you ain't leaving enough for nobody else. And then they put them in their little Tupperware things, and guess what? They started thinking about it at night. Y'all ever had cereal late at night? My favorite is Raisin Bran with about a cup and a half of sugar, right? <laughs> little 2% milk, ice cold. Mmm! So the best we can tell, it's kind of like, Frosted flakes, right? And so they're, they put their little Tupperware thing up, and then, guys, you know the late night run. I got cereal in the fridge. And they go in, and it's inundated with worms. Worms are a symbol of death. If there is no faith in God, then it's death. Friend, There's nothing good in line when you don't trust Him. He's never done anything to warrant your lack of faith. Now, something may not have turned out like you wanted it to, but He says all things work together, right? Nothing can escape His sovereign hand. He is in absolute control. Now, we get to the quail. He he gives them, right, everything they want. And I want to close. After they kept, after they kept the manna, here's what God asked Moses. Church, here's our question. This is what we leave with. Ready? Verse 28 of chapter 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, listen, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions. God says this to Moses. Moses, I gave the people commands and I gave them instructions. And my long suffering will eventually give to my justice, my discipline. And so look at me. This is a question for you and for me. How long will it take before you Decide to be faithful and respond to his commands and his statutes. And you know the crazy thing, and I think I've shared a little bit about this. Either my wife is faithful or she's not. Would anyone in here be okay with their spouse having an emotional relationship with another man or woman? Is anybody okay with that? Would y'all be okay if your husband or your wife just pranced around the mall and held hands with someone of the opposite sex? 
That's what we used to do when we was dating. Let's go to the mall. She would try to kiss me all the time, and I was, anyway. So, at what capacity is faithfulness, faithfulness, complete? So, church, he's protected you, and he's protected you in ways you don't even know. You'll see. He's protected for you. I'm looking at you. He's provided for you. How long? What has he got to do for you to obey his commands and his statutes? Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the miraculous, true accounts throughout the Old and the New Testament. Accounts that warrant our trust in you. That prove your Godship, They prove your deity. They attest to your sovereignty. They affirm your grace and your mercy. And Lord, yet on the bank of provision and protection, Lord, it is the simplest things, the most basic of needs. You can deliver us from Egypt. You can get us through the Red Sea, but then we're going to question whether you can give us something to drink. We're going to question whether all of creation does not kneel to your command and provide the sustenance that we need to survive. Oh, Lord, we are a selfish, selfish, arrogant, prideful sort. And so, Lord, today, I ask that you'd forgive me for those things. And, Lord, I, when Scripture says, who are we that you are mindful of us? That mindful in no way is that you serve us. But Lord, our just response, Paul says, is worship. And the highest form of worship is obedience. Lord, may our worship not be a song, just a song, may it not be just a gift. May it be complete faithfulness. And it is in the name of the Sovereign King, the Creator, the Sustainer, the Ruler, the Rider who shall come in that eastern sky. In the name of King Jesus we pray. Amen. Church, I'm going to ask you if you would stand. and If you've been visiting and you'd like to make this your church home, um, friend, if you know Christ, we'd love to have you. If you've not fallen in baptism, we can get that taken care of just about any time. If you'd like to make this your church home, if you've never trusted Christ, friend, you can pray right where you're at. Dear Lord, forgive me. It doesn't have to be some complex prayer. It is about you understanding that He is God. He created you. He loves you. And yes, you know, as disappointed as He was in the Israelites, He still loved them. You know those times when you've been disappointed in your, your, your little ones? Oh, it happens. You still love them more than your life. So your mistakes have nothing to do with his love. He already died for those things. They don't bother him. Friend, don't keep your sin from him. Don't worry, he's got big shoulders. 
you've never trusted Christ, love to pray with you this morning. If you have a need, love to pray for you. The altar's open, friend. Jesus is there to pray for you. You don't need me, but I'd be honored. Lord, you have your way in the final moments of today. Amen. The preceding message was presented by Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about Bayou Vista, including contact info, go to the website www.bvbch.org. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.